Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast and to episode 172, where I am chatting to the brilliant Rebecca Heaps from Tentshare. I will try and keep this intro short and sweet as Rebecca and I rabbited on quite a bit. And so it's a slightly longer episode than normal, but I just want to quickly flag the crap-free Christmas webinar that I'm running on Wednesday the 15th of November at 8pm on Zoom. It is entirely free and I will be sharing tips, ideas and resources for a Christmas with less waste but no less joy and fun. I will pop the link for that in the show notes to register. If you can't make it live, don't worry, I will be recording it but you do need to register in order to get the recording. Okay, so on with today's episode. I am very aware that the summer holidays might not be at the forefront of our minds right now, but before we know it, Christmas will be over and we will be thinking about them. And on the surface, camping feels like a pretty eco-friendly option for a cheaper holiday. And it absolutely is. However, there's always a however, isn't there? It does involve quite a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Camping, the tent, the sleeping mats, the sleeping bags, the camping stove, and the list goes on. And all of this stuff might only be used once, maybe twice a year, and the rest of the time it sits in our sheds or our garages gathering dust. And for anyone who wants to have a go at camping, All of that stuff that they need is a big outlay and a big potential barrier when you're not even sure if you're going to like it and want to do it again. So this is where Tentshare comes in. Tentshare matches up people with tents with people who want them. Not only is this such a brilliantly simple idea for camping, but also for festivals. Figures from 2018 estimate that a quarter of a million tents go into landfill each year in the UK. And those figures are from 2018, so I'm imagining it's probably gone up quite a bit since then. And that is a huge amount of resources and energy literally going to waste. In this episode, Rebecca shares the story of how she got started and some of the positive benefits of sharing camping equipment above and beyond the purely environmental ones. The connection, the joy, facilitating people getting outdoors to appreciate nature. That's just a few of them. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Do go and check out the Tentshare website. I've linked to hopefully everything in the show notes. You can find them at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash podcast. If you own a tent, popping it on Tentshare is a great way to support the sharing economy and contribute a kind of like mini nudge towards a less capitalist society. And if you're thinking of having a go at camping for the first time, maybe next summer, save yourself a whole heap of money and make some connections with local campers near you by using Tentshare. So have a little listen and then do let me know, would you rent out your tent? Would you borrow a tent? Are you going to put your tent on Tentshare? I would be so incredibly happy to hear of any tents popping up on Tentshare as a direct result of this episode. I will be back after this interview with this week's good news. Enjoy. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm oh, really excited. We were saying just before I hit records, um, I've been following you guys for quite a while and um, I've wanted to speak to you for ages to find out a little bit more about what you're doing. So um, before we dive into that, can you tell us who you are, where you are and what it is that you do? 
Yeah, of course. Well, vice versa to you as well. I've been uh, listening to you and I'm wanting to speak with you for ages as well. So I'm really pleased we've finally uh, met. So, yeah, but my name's Rebecca and um, I'm founder of Tentshare and uh, I founded it about three and a half years ago. Um, and since then, it's been growing um, slowly, but surely. And uh it's a shall I, shall I just dive into what tenture yeah, actually is? Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us what tell us what so tenture a, is. So a good uh, way I do it is, and maybe listeners can follow along too. Is um, I usually ask the host, "Do you own a tent, Jen?" I'm trying to think. I don't know if we do because we've got a caravan. You see, so we ah. yeah, we've used that. We did have like a little pop up tent thing that the kids used in the garden. No, yeah. that's a lie. Actually, my husband's still got his like ancient old tent from you know. Uh, yeah. from his childhood Perfect. so he's still got that kicking around somewhere yeah that's great well and the, the the trick it's a bit of a trick because if you do own a tent then you can be a tent share member but also if you don't own a tent we can um you can be a tent share men- member so if you do own a tent what you can do is pop it on the tent share platform and rent it to someone in your local community and that means that you can make a little bit of extra money but also someone in your local community is is able to camp and access nature affordably and easily. Um, so it's 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 a good it's a good way to get our tents out of their attics and out of the lofts and into um, people's gardens and out camping and and being used as much as possible really. Um, and then if you don't own a tent, you think about what sort of camping trip you'd like to go on. Have a look on the tent share platform and find someone who's got the tent that you would like to use. Um, it's much better than buying a new one because you know that the tent's going to be completely fit for the purpose that you're using it for. Plus, if you're going on a big family camping trip, then you'll need a nice big tent. And But if you're going on a little wild camp on your own, then you will only need a little tent and you only need it for that time that you're camping. Um, so it seems in a way it seems a bit silly to buy one when, in fact, you can just have access to all the tents you want by sharing what we've already got um within it's our such community. a genius idea because as you said you know if if we are people or a family who camp maybe we go on holiday once or twice a year and then the rest of the time the shed that the shed the tent is just in the shed in the garage wherever just um you know not not being made use of and then if we are someone who might aspire to camp it's quite a big outlay, isn't it, to go and to buy all the kit and caboodle that you need when you're mm. not actually sure if you might like it as well. Um, exactly. And how many people have bought? Well, there's two ways to look at it. You can either spend a, a huge amount of money buying all the gear and, you know, going to and researching and all of that and not enjoy camping mm. in the end. Um, but also what, what a lot of people did, and particularly over in lockdown, because te- camping was some, one thing that people were allowed to do, is they go to the middle aisle of those shops, buy a whole load of cheap equipment, and then have a horrible time because right. it's not it's not good stuff. It's not made well. It's not yeah. really fit for purpose. And then they uh, some campsites actually had to shut down because they would just leave their equipment there. No. And they yeah, they couldn't deal with all the waste. So they had to, yeah, they had to shut shut their campsites. So um, it's not just festivals you get tent waste at. Well, I wanted to ask you about festivals as well. But just before we move on to that, I guess the other potentially great thing about renting a tent from somebody local is do you find that like the people that you're renting from are like, 
yeah, we'll show you how to put it up. Yeah, we'll show you how it all works because that's another really daunting thing, isn't it? Like yeah. going camping for the first time. I don't know how this tent works. And you <laughs> always see the people there with, you know, the instructions and the family arguments and all those sorts of things. But if you've got somebody who's happy to show you how it all works and how it fits together and maybe you could video them putting it up, you know, so you can play it back again, that must really help people get over that first barrier as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and this is something we've forgotten about sharing our stuff. You know, we used to share probably pre-war. We sh- we shared a lot of things between each other and things were, you know, made well and fixable and repairable. Um, but yeah, the, the, the extra bonus, you, you can either go to a shop, buy a tent, that's that. Or you can go to someone in your local community, borrow their tent and get a whole wealth of information from them. You know, there's a whole knowledge base there that's being untapped. So they'll say, oh, go to that campsite or remember, don't don't camp under a tree because that can be dangerous. You know, all of those bits of information that we don't really know we have when we're campers um, that they can then pass on. So you're not only getting the tent that you want you're also getting a whole wealth of knowledge, which yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's really a forgotten joy to to share stuff and to to share our knowledge with each other. Um, and I, I really, uh, you know, I'm massively into promoting that and encouraging people to share everything. There's lots of sharing economy platforms that are popping up everywhere now. Uh, I was just speaking to Isabel, actually. She's from um, Party Kit Networks. Yes, yeah. yeah. She um and she's she's got like, across the UK what you can do instead of going to Tesco or or a shop and buying a load of disposable cups and sometimes they get a barely a sausage roll touches it before it gets chucked straight into the bin at the end of the party um you can uh rent a a party kit from her or from people across the country who have these party kits um for a small cost and and then you give the party kit back so there's no waste and your money again is not going into a big um corporate shop it's going to someone in your local community so there's all sorts of ways that we can share stuff and reuse stuff and keep and keep things in circulation and they're all just so simple aren't they because I Mm. remember I dread to think how many years ago it was now I interviewed um Tilly from Freem Party Kit Network uh near me Mm. and um, I don't like to take entirely take credit for the Party Kit Network, but I know Isabel listened to that podcast and then ah. um, wanted to then sort of work out how this could be kind of scaled and replicated and things. So I really want to get Isabel um, on the podcast because it was so long ago that we had Tilly on talking about her experience, you know, of setting one up locally, but to have Isabel on to talk more widely about the network. And as you say, you know, the tent sharing, the party kits, the all of these ideas are just kind of like, so clever but so simple and you just yeah, like why exactly have always done it like this it just exactly that bonkers and I think I think you have to think about what's happened is that we've become such good consumers yeah we you know we're and we're marketed we're almost got sort of conditioned to think if I want something I'll buy it yeah and actually there are so many different ways of um, yeah. of gaining access to the thing that you want and and people are, f- are scared about sustainability and regeneration they're like oh you know there's a massive fear of lack oh i'm not going to be able to get the mm. things that i want i don't you know i don't want to give up all my lovely things that i i love but actually what people have forgotten is sometimes there's a deeper joy in finding a different way to get something that you want um you know like uh, I, I like to use, you know, perhaps a blanket. You you can go to a shop and buy a blanket for probably under a fiver these days mm. um, and then throw it away 
um, and 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 that's it. It's it's served its purpose as whatever it is. But if we had a blanket, if I had a lovely wool blanket and um, it got a hole in it, and then I took it and mended it, or I found a way to mend it, and then I passed it on to my kids, and then they passed it on to their kids. Well, you start building like a real story around yeah. that blanket, and maybe you spent a bit more on it um, at the time because it's made of natural fibers, and you know, um, and it it wasn't just a, a single use item. But the 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 joy of owning that possession becomes deeper and richer yeah. than just going and buying a you know a shiny a shiny thing, bring it home and then chucking it away. And we've really forgotten that. Yeah. We've really forgotten how to appreciate and love our things. You know, I I see a future where we can rent, reuse, repair, repurpose, clean, share, swap. You know, there's so many ways of accessing the things that we want. So it's not about lack. It's just about a mindset shift more than anything. And I think we're not very good. I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently. We're not very good in the climate space about talking about all those, the joy that comes with these things, the connection, the the additional stuff. And the the mainstream narrative is very much that narrative of, of lack and that they're coming for your burgers and your cars and your holidays and all these sorts of things and and I think we need to there's a quote and it's from um oh I can't remember I'll 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 attribute them in the um in the show notes but it's basically like we need to throw a better party you know Mm. this idea that so so we need to paint a really joyful connected clean green beautiful future that is exactly. entirely within our grasp yeah um, which is abundant yeah actually yeah, yeah which is nothing you know? about scarcity and lack and yeah absolutely not it's about maybe having less stockpiles of money for individual people but it's about gaining um gaining an abundance and a joy of connection mm. you know and and a reconnection we should never have been un, you know deconnected from nature because we are nature yeah and, and we've also forgotten that you know and yeah. that's the beauty of tent share is we're sharing an item actually which promotes being in nature yeah which, you know it's almost like an added bonus you know i love camping and but the added bonus of this particular sharing economy is that it's promoting being in in nature and and getting kids out there and, yeah. and remembering why why this planet is so abundant and what, and what a beautiful place it is to live you know yeah. and, and appreciating that and valuing it so yeah yeah so you said that you're a you're a keen camper which I would I would kind of imagine you would need to be to start something yeah. like this off <laughs> um how how did how did the idea come about what got you started so it's it's a very grassroots story so I <laughs> I was um needing to make a bit of extra money myself um, and I was I was like digging around in, in my mind, like thinking about what, all the stuff that I own and could I sell something? Could I, you know, what could I do? And I, I have a beautiful canvas bell tent and I didn't want to sell it because I still use it. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, I'll I'll start renting it out. And and I started renting it to the local community and that went very well. Um, and then I thought, right, well, I'll put it on a, a platform and, and reach a wider audience. And, and when I went to look for one, that one did not exist. Right. And so I, so I was moaning about it, and one of my friends said, "Well, create one then. Stop moaning about it." Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, "Okay." And but the more I thought about it, the more it just seemed like such a good idea, you know, because of this element that I fo- I follow the Quaker principles, and so any business that's been founded by me was going to be regenerative. Um, and and the Quaker principles are 
peace, equality, truth, simplicity and integrity. Right. And I, I'm not a Quaker, but I live my life by those values. I've kind of borrowed those mm. those values. And so, and so when you apply that to a business, of course, it's going to turn out to be great for people. So the people get 85 percent of what they make on their 10 right. tools. Tensure takes 15 percent. And that I basically take nothing out of it at the yeah. moment. But that kind of pays for maintaining it and, and keeping it going. And then um, and we're reusing um, an item that we already um, own and, and that's a good thing so instead of having them in sitting in um, our attics being unused yeah. and uh, I've just been doing in fact I've just been doing a thing about use intensity um, so the more you use something the better the, the more efficient it becomes in right. terms of carbon um, and I can speak to that but you asked me about how Tensure started so that's how it started <laughs> um and so yeah I created Tenshare and um it's kind of gone from there uh so yeah it was you, really... you, I, it always like I love talking to people who've done exactly what you've done like gone oh this is an idea and so and <laughs> someone ought to do that and then gone oh crap I'm gonna have to do yeah, that kind of thing have to be um, me. <laughs> and and people very you know just brush over and, and that's how it started and I'm like I just cannot get my head around where you would even start like mm. is it just a, a website and how do you hook people you know all those kind of like that would have just completely flummoxed me and I would have gone I don't yeah. know how to do it and therefore I I sort of wouldn't have done it like did you have any help did you look at other um sort of similar models that exist for other things or like how did you even start yeah so I thought it was well, like you, you know, sharing simple, right? It's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be a simple thing. Little did I know. What I did initially was I did quite a lot of research around it. And and the model is the Airbnb model, right. basically. Um, Airbnb has actually come out of the sharing economy um, definition because instead of utilising assets that we already own, they've gone beyond that and people are purchasing assets to do to yeah, specifically yeah. rent out and so they've, they've kind of gone beyond that sharing but initially they were a sharing economy platform and a peer-to-peer sharing economy platform and um there's quite a lot uh, written around um how they began and there is also like it's also there's like an instruction book how to how to how to uh, set up a sharing economy model um it's called lean marketplace it's oh. really so i read that and then it's the software which is the key. Mm. Um, so for now, I I rent a software from Share Tribe, which allows me to do a minimal um, viable platform. Yeah. Um, and that allows people to um, share their items. There's a review system. I've added a deposit system, um, and uh, they have control. So really, Tenshare is just a facilitator. Yeah. You know, we don't own any stock. Um, apart from my own personal ones, I yeah. am a Tenshare member as well as yeah. being a Tenshare founder. Um, but yeah, so it's really about people being able to, de- you know, show that they've got a tent and someone else to be able to pick it up. So some people would be driving maybe from London to Wales and they'll pick up a tent on oh, the way yeah. to Wales. Yeah. Um, so you can so see not something along your local. Route. There yeah. might be something local to where you're going yeah. or, as you say, on the way. That's a good yeah. idea. And one of the biggest challenges we have um, is getting the stock on there. So it takes people to list their tents to be able to have stock available for people yeah, to yeah. rent. Um, and um, 
uh, yeah, so if anyone here who's listening now has a tent that they yeah. um, would be willing to share and share with their local community, then please do just list it on the TentShare platform. It's free to list it. There's no obligation. You only rent to people that you want to rent to. There's a deposit system in place and a review system. It works pretty much like Airbnb, mm. um, but for tents. In fact, I was going to call it uh, Fresh Airbnb. <laughs> I like it <laughs> but yeah at the end I ended up with tent share but um yeah they might, so, have, got, they might have got cross with you as well you don't want to I was of... like yeah I don't think I can cope with yeah. the litigation as well as the sharing economy <laughs> platform <laughs> so um yeah. is it a bit of a faff listing it because I sort of think I'd be like oh yeah we'll do that but oh god I can't just take a picture of my tent all folded up I probably got to put mm. my tent up and mm. so maybe if people are thinking thinking about doing this next time they go on holiday and put their tent up be aware yeah. of that and take pictures of it yeah take pictures of your sort of absolutely take pictures of your tent while it's already uh pitched um and remember to take pictures but also if you don't have a picture to hand or a photo to hand you can you can grab one um off off the internet right um, make sure it's like freely available model. yeah um, and just just but just make it um clear that that's not the actual yes. tent you know so yeah. be transparent and honest like you know uh tent shares values are, are trust and truth um and so you have to be transparent and honest and and um, i guess the same as about if you're, you're renting on ebay or vintage if yeah. there's a little hole somewhere you take a picture and you make sure people know that if there's a particular zip that catches or doesn't work or a little patch of exactly uh, that yeah. you know damp I, just make sure yeah. people are aware of those yeah and make and you know and you're if if you are the person who's listing the tent m- make sure that it's fit for purpose yeah because someone's going to arrive at a campsite that would be hideous yeah that someone arrives at a, a campsite and and the poles are missing or there's a hole yes there. you know there's a real responsibility and that's where you know tension the value system of tension we have a you know non-negotiable um uh uh, value system and if, and if anyone breaks that then they will just you know we have no um what's it called no uh no no compromise oh okay yeah uh yeah anyway system you know where whereby if someone breaks the rules they won't be that's it um uh, yeah welcome on on the platform and and that's that so yeah and do you um, give people any guidance as to what they ought to be, what value they ought to be placing on their tent when they're renting it? Because I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, so there's, I mean, we've got over 500 items listed. So you can have a look on the listings and see where your right. tent fits. Be- because there is such a, that's the beauty actually, is there's such a scale between yeah. someone might just have a little fun single pop-up um, that the kids might want to play with in the garden for a day, not yeah. even overnight. And that would be that would cost maybe a five or a night or not yeah. even that, you know. But then someone might have a, a huge five meter glamping tent with the chandelier and all the mm. insides, and and that would cost you know a few hundred quid for a night. And so you have to look at what what sort of tent you've got, yeah. and and then kind of place it on that scale. Um, yeah. And there are there will be other tents. Also, you can always email me hello at tentshare.co.uk and ask me for my advice. <laughs> Um, so yeah and is it just tents that people have on there or could you you know could you hire sleeping bags and um, camping stoves and all those sorts of things as well yeah we don't recommend renting out camping stoves okay um just because of the health and safety mm-hmm. um of that but yeah and you can rent any camping equipment any outdoor equipment on there um 
I've start I've started with tents because in the lean marketplace yeah. Bible they recommend that um you niche down right the best way because it's because the sharing economy yeah, literally yeah, yeah. tent share could share anything you can share anything on there really mm. um there's no constraint um and so that the advice is to get something going is to is to niche niche in a location and also niche in the items that you're sharing right um and so and then widen out beyond that um, and so and when so, you started did you do it locally to you then yeah yeah so my biggest sort of customer base is is my local area whereabouts are you i'm in hertfordshire um, okay just on the border between cambridge and hertfordshire yeah yeah, yeah. but well, we've got quite tense... a good catchment then because you can sort of sneaking into london as well and then yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 so we've got um but we have got uk wide access and we've just partnered this summer we've partnered with alt pro who are british tent manufacturer and very aligned um in values they're they're very eco-conscious um and wanting to increase their rentals um and i can talk to you about use intensity they want to increase their rentals so they've put their rental models onto the tent share platform and they will deliver anywhere in the uk oh wow so Basically, if you can't find a tent from someone in your local community, you can get one from Old Pro um, through Tent Share, and they'll deliver it to you, and then you deliver it back. Amazing! And you've mentioned um, use intensity a couple of times, and and I yeah. keep catching myself because it has the word tent in it, and I'm like, oh, and then I remember <laughs> that it's intensity. Um, so yeah. we we probably think of camping as a really low intensity low carbon option and a sort of environmentally friendly option forgetting about all the resources and emissions that have gone into creating all of that stuff that Mm. we need to camp and then if we as you say just do it the once and then I mean heaven forbid leave it all there um that's just an enormous waste of uh, of resources and uh, sort of energy that's gone into creating it, not to mention the amount of waste that's then generated that has to be dealt with. So tell us a little bit about use, use intensity. Use intensity. So um, <laughs> I worked with, use intensity. <laughs> I, I worked with a carbon calculator guy called Eamon Galvin. He runs a, a carbon calculation business called No Carbon, K-N-O-W Carbon. You should have him on, actually. He's yeah, fab. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, he's really transformed the way I think about carbon and how carbon gets used including the use intensity so what happens is and i can only talk in terms of tents but you can apply this pretty much to any Mm. item a tent a a single use festival size tent is i can't i i i have to i really dispute the fact that there are single use tents you know but i know don't even get me started well we'll talk about that in a minute they're literally marketed as single use tents are they they're marketed as festival tents but what that actually means is single use tent yeah so you were so you were going to say so so the I'll talk I'll talk to that in a minute because it is interesting yeah um so a a a small say one or two person tent um costs about 32 kgs of carbon to manufacture and ship and get to the point of being in the UK so the carbon cost the manufacturing the materials it's 99 percent plastic the materials everything Mm. that's that's work towards get that tent here has has cost 32 kgs of carbon and and that i mean what to to put that 32 kilos of carbon into context off the top of my head a cheeseburger is something like it's about a tenth of that's like 3.2 kilos 
Um, but then we're all working, you know, lots of us, one of the things we'll really be focusing on is reducing single-use plastic in terms of carrier bags and stuff like that. And then we'll go and buy a massive great blooming tent that exactly use it once. might be single-use. Yeah. 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 So, so there's that. Well, if you use your tent once, it's cost 32 kgs of carbon, right? If you use it again and again and again, and what Eamon worked out was if you use it te- for 10 weekends, mm-hmm you've you've spread the cost of that carbon and you've basically used up the carbon for that for that item yeah so you've used it enough to 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 sort of pay off that carbon and i guess if you factor in the fact that a weekend's camping is going to be lower carbon than a weekend in a even in an airbnb or a posh hotel is probably well not don't even need to take into account any of that actually because it's just about the use intensity of that item um, and then when you start using it beyond that, you're you're starting to be regenerative because a new one's not being manufactured. Yeah. You've paid off the carbon that's been um, used to to create that tent. And once you start using it beyond that, you're starting to regenerate. You're almost giving back to the planet. Yeah. You know. And so once you start thinking about that and applying it to our clothes, to you know to any plastic item mm. that we have um you know a tent never biodegrade digrade, biodegrades yeah it never composts down you know it is here and also the beauty of tents is they are infinitely fixable right so um I, we'll talk about um camp light in a minute because i work with a, a festival a business that um works in festivals and i've become a fully qualified tent mechanic so i can <laughs> love that there's such yeah. thing as a tent mechanic <laughs> and, and that you uh, have to be qualified to do it i love it yeah yeah you have to you have to go on the training otherwise you, you're no good to us basically <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so you can fix a tear you can fix a pole you can fix um a zip um, and then basically all the components of a tent um and so you know and you can re-waterproof and you can re-solar proof and so you can keep a tent going for years and years and years. Wow. And and we do, you know, in the, in the festival work that um, Camp Light does, um, we keep tents going. We we pitch them and take them down over 13 festivals and we keep, and we keep them going year in, year out. And so that is is a really regenerative model. Because I would imagine that that's one of the most common reasons somebody throws their tents out is like the pole breaks or something like that. And yeah. it just seems an awful lot of material to have to discard for the mm. sake of one pole or one, one pole. pair or something like that so yeah. knowing that that's um possible so if people have got like how if people have got tents at home that have I said let's say injuries um that are damaged <laughs> yeah um, are, are there resources online somewhere I'm sure there must be videos on YouTube that tell people how to do this but is there a like have you got a nice set of resources or is there a nice set of resources anywhere for people to learn to do those simple men's Yep, I've, I've, I think they're on my YouTube channel. Um, I'm, I actually haven't spent much time on that um, <laughs> as yet, but it's all, oh, it's Rebecca, all uploaded. Up to? <laughs> it's all, it's all uploaded on there. I'm pretty sure. But um, if you go to Tentshare Instagram, okay, um, in the highlights, yep. there's how to make, mend each oh, part amazing. of your tent. You can yep. go onto the highlights and have a look. Also, you can email me and ask me. Um, yeah. I'm really happy to share the knowledge. It's not rocket science. It's actually yep. quite easy. <laughs> is it? Is um, it a of gaffer tape? No, we wouldn't use gaffer tape. <gasps> no, I just sworn. <laughs> Don't bring gaffer tape into it. No, we use and and that's the thing is it actually is simple once you have the knowledge. Mm. Um, and you know we only use a very particular type of tape to mend a right. 
um to mend a tear because we know that that one works and won't start peeling off and mm. you know like gaffer tape after a while it starts sort yeah. of um failing basically so yeah we wouldn't put gaffer tapes on on a tent unless we absolutely had to yeah <laughs> so yeah um so yeah yeah you can find out about that um yeah so give us some shocking stats we mentioned festivals like mm. we've all seen the pictures of the debris waste detritus that is is left and this yeah. is this a, a modern phenomenon like was this ha- when did this start happening that people would just start leaving their tents like I mm. I, I don't know I certain back in my day um but then people weren't going to festivals no. as much I don't think like how how long I think well I think two things have happened I think a festivals are getting much bigger yeah um and loads more people go than than like back in our day (laughs) um but also tents single-use tents being manufactured very and and even if they're not the intentionally the single-use tents as you go as you said you go into the sort of middle of Lidl and it'll be on offer or it'll be Mm. reduced and you think oh that's all right that's only 20 quid or 30 quid and and it and it almost is priced as a single-use item and therefore we value it considerably less exactly so it's so easy for us to buy a tent and leave it you know Mm. it's a massive privilege to be able to do such a thing you know if you think about like the journey of a tent it's manufactured in the far east probably um, and then it's shipped at great cost across the ocean to our borders and then it's driven Mm. to a big retail shop or a warehouse and then someone drives and picks it up or it gets delivered and then it gets taken to a festival and you know pitched badly usually <laughs> pitched sometimes people don't even sleep in them because they can't find them right because yeah, yeah, they yeah. you know yeah. because of the chaos of a festival and then they get chucked away and when you say manufactured this is only just occurred to me prior to learning about fast fashion like I don't I hadn't even really thought about how an item of clothing was made. I just assumed it was all mechanized and and then you suddenly realize that no somebody sat there on a sewing machine sewing seams on a t-shirt. Mm. There are sewn elements within tents on there. So is is somebody sat there like literally when we talk about a factory making mm. tents there will be human elements of that and presumably the same I expect um, so. I actually don't know. And all those sorts of things that go into fashion. Mm, I don't know, but I i mean, it's on a par with fashion. Mm. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Um, I actually, I don't know. Um, it's not something that I've researched because I only really deal with reuse yeah, yeah, yeah. and rent and repurpose. So yeah, it's not part of my um, uh, loop of, of yeah. uh, access. So yeah, I, I don't know, but I imagine it's, it's, probably similar to the to the clothing industry um not such on a massive scale though, yeah. i imagine but yeah um pretty awful and then and then of course these tents get thrown away and then and then they get taken back to you know some of them some of our waste is then shipped back to the yeah far east again isn't it so it's like a whole circle of of an item that's literally not really been used, not even been used. Yeah. yeah and plus so- these tents I, I a lot of these so there's a, such a thing as a single skin tent and a and a double skin tent. A single skin tent, as as you can imagine, just has one mm. layer to it. Well, if it rains, that is not waterproof. Right. So these cheap tents are actually not fit for purpose. Yeah. They shouldn't be manufactured. They're a waste of our resources. They 
they're not fit for purpose a double and we were we wouldn't so what uh, let me go back to what camp light does <laughs> i've got i've leapt on ahead haven't i um what camp light does and um uh it turned into so it's been run by this amazing guy called kieran for the last 10 years and what he's been doing is salvaging tents rescuing tents that have been left behind at festivals and um, cleaning them up repair them and then he pre-pitches them ready for festival goers so you can rent your tent on the camp light website and when you arrive your tent is there ready waiting for you pitched with a, a sleeping bag and a mat and a chair and is there a, a hook up there because it seems really sensible that like you buy your ticket for the festival and there's an option to rent your tent at the same mm. time or, or do people have to sort of somehow be aware of camp light and go onto the camp light website or is it all just nice and integrated it depends on the festival okay it's, yeah so if you have to if you go to the camp light website you can see the festivals that we yeah. cover um and either it's it's either a click through to their website or a click through to our website right. but it all gets yeah it gets advertised and the links on the festival yeah. website and on our um so yeah it depends on on the festival but um and so and so people arrive and and their tents there ready waiting and yeah. so that's that's a really great thing to do but what we don't do is we don't rescue single skin tents okay. because we wouldn't rent those out to people because they're right. not fit for purpose yeah and so they are a complete waste um yeah. we worked really hard this year actually i was trying to make one of the festivals completely tent waste free i was gonna say is that can a festival not just go you cannot bring your own tent you have to use this service like is well, anyone brave enough to say that you think they, they could a lot of festivals the independent festivals are doing a lot to try and combat this it's it's a real kind of glitch in the matrix that people think it's okay to leave their tents behind so shambhala is a really good one what percentage of people leave their tents do they know is it 10 no. percent? is it 50 percent? is it we just don't know because there's no research on it yeah and so um, if and so these single skin, I just, I sit, can't get my head around this. So these yeah. single skin tents literally just get scooped up and landfilled or burned. Like, yeah. or, or, or is there somebody else somewhere in the loop who is can do something clever with upcycling them or anything like that? So this is what I was just about to say is, um, so this year, what I tried to do was rescue not only the tents that we could reuse, but all of the tents that have been left behind. And I've got um, a number of businesses. I've actually got like, two grab bags full of tents, tent material um, that I need to pack up and post off to people who can repurpose them. So Little Recreation, she is brilliant. She's made me a most beautiful flag. She made me a bag out of, um, which I use every day. I haven't got it with me. She made me a bag out of old tent material. Um, she she makes all the most amazing pencil cases mm. and all sorts of amazing things she makes from tents. There's also eco bunting they make bunting out of mm. um, all repurposed materials and including tents. I've got to send a bunch off to them. And doodles.one I work with and they they repurpose things into um, uh, into bags and pencil cases and purses I mean, and stuff. And it's amazing that there are people doing that. But I think it's really needs to be made really clear to people that like that's the last resort. This isn't an excuse for you to leave your tent and no. feel better about it because someone's going to take it. Like there's only so much no. that there's only so much bunting that we need. There's only so many bags that we need. You know, that um I spoke a little while ago on the podcast to oh her name's gone completely out of my head and that's so rude. She runs uh, they were called Wyatt and Jack. They're now um inflatable amnesty on the Isle of Wight and they would take um 
um, inflatables, you know, like yeah. um, lilos and all those sorts of things and make them into bags. And, yeah. and, and they're amazing and they're beautiful bags, but like she just can't cope with the volume of, I was just about to say exactly that you talk to anybody who's doing this repurposing and that and we all because we all meet up we're all like how much stuff have you got in your living room you know I spend my life with piles of tents and broken poles and in 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 my house in my home because because there's not until now there hasn't really been much thought about what happens to end of life stuff and we now know we need to close the loop and become more circular and so everyone's really is just doing their best imperfectly at the moment but doing their best to to try and find ways to keep all this all of this stuff out of the loop and you asked me for a statistic well it's it's estimated to 250,000 tents go into landfill each year in the UK that's in the UK yeah and that was a 2018-19 um, and I bet, yeah you can only imagine what that kind of weighs or what that mm. might be in kind of surface area of material or that's absolutely so yeah. that's once going into landfill that's not ones that are rescued and yeah or anything like that yeah so is this an issue that you said you know some of the festivals are, are sort of doing good work like generally are festivals taking this issue seriously and, and trying to be proactive about it I think they all want to do really well. I think uh, I think it comes under a scope three emissions yeah. because it's not their waste. It's people, so people that are... who are who might not have heard of like when a, when a a festival's being run or a business is uh, you know a, a business is running and they're trying to work out what their carbon footprint is. They'll they'll break their emissions down into three scopes. Um, scopes one and two are the things that are directly under their control so a festival it might be the um, you know how they're generating energy on site all those sorts of things but the um, the waste that the festival produces including the tents would come under their scope three emissions so it's kind of under their influence I guess they might Mm. say Um, we could argue that it's it's potentially um, more under their control than they might um, than than, than it might be at the moment they they have you know they have a a lot of influence I would have said over what oh yeah they have massive influence and and we're working with them you know and that and that's what I love is that we're having conversations and and these conversations are happening Mm. I think there's a willingness I think um I think there's a difficulty around um well there's a disconnect between because it's so new this mm. whole like closing the lim- link and uh, closing the loop and accounting for our carbon emissions mm-hmm. and all of this it's it, we're all sort of playing catch up yes and so and so and there's there's a sort of a you know i'm just a person who has an idea and i'm talking to big corporate event companies you know we're not always speaking the same language yeah. although the intent is is good yeah it's 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 and, and I think this goes across the board you know I think there's a whole disconnect between people who are sustainable through their value system and corporations who are having to implement sustainability mm. and there's a language barrier and and we need to kind of build a, a, a better connection with mm. with you know a, a I call it a pincer movement, you know, bottom up, yeah, top yeah. down movement. If if we do the pincer movement, then we will start making changes. And so, you know, I th- I'm I'm happy to talk to any festival about this, and I've got loads of great ideas. Um, but there are, I just want to flag up, like uh, medicine festivals, brilliant. There's hardly any tent waste there. Um, 
Shambhala is brilliant. There's hardly any tent waste, um, mm. if, if any tent waste. There were lots of festivals that don't have tent waste. So I was going to, because that was going to be my next question was like, can you envisage a scenario whereby there is no tent waste at festivals? And so the fact that there are at least a couple of festivals who are either mm. already there or almost there proves mm. that it can happen. And there's this lovely quote, and I can't remember, I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's something like, the future is already here, it's just unevenly distributed. And exactly I love the that. fact that you could then say to another festival who's like, oh, this is going to be really tricky, this is going to be... Mm. No, 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 these guys have done it and this is how mm. they... And so if you've got mm. those case studies and you've got those examples, it makes it easier for people to do it and harder for them to say it can't be done. Exactly that. And, and you know what, COVID, I think, has opened up a whole conversation. It's like when people say you can't do it, you're like, mm, I think you can because yeah. COVID just proved that, you yeah. know, um, yes, we can't keep the whole country. COVID was, yeah. um, oh, you couldn't possibly have, you know, all these calls are done on Zoom or Teams because people yeah. need to get in the room together. And then we're like, oh, kind of, kind of worked. I mean, it wasn't brilliant. Yeah. But it, we kind of did it. Yeah. That happened in an instant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, anything really is possible if people yeah. want are willing and, and want to do it. So I, I really try and err on the uh, positive. And there's that uh, whole idea about um, the research into protests, the 3.5 percent yeah. effect. Um, and if if 3.5 percent of the people take a peaceful and active approach to the thing that they're really mm. passionate about then the rest will follow then you'll make change and and when you think about that 3.5 if we get 3.5% of the population that's 7 in 200 mm. of a population actively sharing and shouting about it you know they they're the protesters they're the people who are actively doing it um then the rest will follow and that that feels like it could it's almost yeah. there i feel like we're on a tipping point i really do i think it comes back to that what we were talking about earlier about getting better at sh- talking about these co-benefits getting better at mm. sharing those connections those joys those those you know I think um it probably doesn't count as a positive because it's a but like an alleviation of guilt so when you were talking mm. about um I've just taken them off because my hands got a bit hot but like I've got these and people won't be able to see but I'll share a picture so these are like little mitteny things because I get really cold hands yeah. and they they're I think they were recycled cashmere anyway um but then they got attacked by moths and I sort of had a go at mending them and it was looked a bit rubbish and I nearly threw them out and got another pair and then I just thought no come on um, and so I sat there for several evenings and I very imperfectly very visibly darned them but that saved me the guilt of having to throw them away which actually for me for me is a real positive yeah not only the the positives that we gain but the the negatives that we take away as well and Mm. doing something like sharing and renting will or should be cheaper than buying new and we've got a cost of living crisis and all those sorts of things and and yes it might feel initially a little bit less convenient or a little bit out of our comfort zones but as you say when you then think oh but then I've got someone who can show me how to put it up and I've got Mm. someone who I can ask about where's a good campsite you know where where are their best ideas for campsites and then you're actually this suddenly becomes a bit of a no-brainer yeah yeah and I agree and and and, you know the thing about mending your gloves I've I started like visibly mending a lot a lot of my stuff and um it I I it's very satisfying Mm. when you mend something and I I, you know you 
I, I would advise anyone to have a little have a little go at mending, even if it looks awful. You know, yeah. you just wear them at home or or whatever, or wear them proudly. You know, and and because people talk about it, I've and then it these... starts conversations. Yeah, exactly yeah. That. Like I used to have a pair of jeans that were very visibly mended, very imperfectly visibly mended, but it would always. You know, I'd be at a assembly at school or something and it would always kick off a conversation. And yeah. I could probably imagine a little bit similar with the the tents. Maybe it's it's less. But people do have conversations at campsites like, oh, I like your tent. And then they'll, you know, the yeah. number of times my husband has had a conversation about caravans with other people on a, on a campsite. <laughs> but, but then you go, oh, well, do you know what? I rented this because we haven't we haven't used a tent before and we weren't sure. And and yeah, that um, it's it's that sort of ripple effect and I think that we need to get better at sharing the the co-benefits and the joy but also talking about these really simple easy changes that we've made Mm. and sharing them with other people because Mm. you could get four or five people on board you know you you renting one tent could and sharing that that you've done it on your Facebook page or with friends or family might make them that's a good idea and we could have a go at that yeah yeah and and lots of people I speak to that are there's been a change actually when I first started talking about it people were like what sharing your tent huh um to actual actually some hostility towards me for suggesting it um and now whenever I talk about it people are like that's such a good idea mm-hmm. the challenge is like like you say is getting people to actually list their tents so you know if, if in doubt, it takes literally five minutes and list it. Don't even put a picture on. You don't have to put a picture on. Obviously, it will rent better if you do. Um, but for now, you know, list it and, and you're doing you're doing your bit by actually just growing the tent share, um, growing the tent share group of, of tents that are available to be rented. You know, if, if nothing else. I guess and- with um, any sort of model like this it kind of needs a minimum number of people doing it. And the more people doing it, the more viable it becomes. I remember exactly. talking to, um, oh, I think it was Tessa Clark from mm. Olio, who are the sort of, they started off as a food waste sharing app and now they share lots of things on there, don't they? But, you know, the fact that it's very, very active in places like London and in some bigger cities and things like that, but the more uh, rural you get, the, the sort of less it's used, and it's one of those things that you sort of look and go, "Oh, there's nothing near me," and and so then mm. you give up on it. Mm. Um, but she suggested with that, like just list something on there, and I guarantee you'll be gone in 24 hours. And she was right; I tried it. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. If, if people come and look on Tentshare and go, "Oh, there's nothing near me," as you said, then look at where where you might be wanting to go camping, or whether there's anywhere on route and all that sort of thing. But um, I love that idea of like if you've got a tent, just just stick it on. Spend five minutes, stick it on, put the pictures yeah. up, get the pictures next time you you pitch it next summer yeah. or whatever. But that that it needs that minimum viable number on there, doesn't it? In order for exactly. it to suddenly become part of the like, for it to become easier than people buy it. Yes, That's what we need. Yeah. We need the more we do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, and the more we get used to it, you know, at the moment people are quite tentative. Oh, what if my tent gets damaged? I've been renting out my bell tent for the last four four years. I've got a few now, actually. I've been renting them out for four years, but I hand my bell tent over to people. They come to my home and they, mm. and, and I give them my bell tent and I say to them, I look at them and I say, please look after my bell tent. And mm. they do. I've never had an issue. Nobody's ever damaged my, any of my tents. I ask for a deposit and there is a review system. But on the whole, I think that, Although it is, you know, and, and this is the beauty of te- now, like our technology is like it's UK wide because of technology, mm. but it is actually very community based, yes. very localized because people actually have to meet. You, you know, it's it. Um, 
I'll probably do post tents and you can post tents, but it's much better just to yes. get one from someone in your local community. Yeah. You know? And and that peer-to-peer contact actually yeah. is is part of the trust and the and the and the protection against any damages and, and I think as as a renter, maybe that maybe that would I don't know if it puts people up, but like my fear would be like, oh my God, what if we damage it? So, mm. you know, completely accidentally, I can just imagine the kids, you know, messing around and falling and snapping a tent pole or whatever. Like, yeah. um, if, if that happened, like, yeah, what, what, I would be mortified. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh my so, God, I'll buy you a new tent. And that's obviously not the whole, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, I mean, I mean, what I, what I would do if, if, if one of my tents did get damaged, firstly i would hope that the person who damaged it would just be open and honest about mm. it and that would be the expectation with tension yeah. i'm trying to change the way that people trust each other as well yeah. we've really lost how to trust it's like you know if you if you have an accident if you make a mistake just own up to it mm. and then and then we can get it sorted together you know um so tension takes the deposit and the deposit doesn't get returned to the tent owner uh, to the person who's borrowing the tent until the tent has been returned and checked over by the tent right. owner and so at that point, um, if there's a dispute, Tentshare will help to sort out the dispute. Okay, yeah. And so so what would happen, what I would suggest initially is to, is to get the tent mended and I can help with that mm-hmm. because tents are imminently f- mendable and parts are replaceable, et cetera. And then if if that didn't get um, sorted, you know, we'd, we'd find a way yeah. to make sure that everybody um, happy. was happy with it. Um, yeah. yeah, so... So yeah, it's it's not an exact science, but life is not an exact science, yes. and I think that's something we've really, you know, again, something we've really kind of let Those go human of. It's like, interaction. Yeah, everything has to be exactly. Yeah. Everything has to be underlined and and pristine know, and new and pristine yeah, and new and and people are like, oh, I don't really like share. You know, I don't. What about cleaning? What about cleanliness? And I'm like, oh, do you ever get in a taxi? Mm, do you ever yeah. use a public toilet? Do you go to a hotel? Yeah. Do you go to a hotel and sleep on a bed? You know, all these things that we use that are secondhand and other people have been using. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, that's that's fine. But show me, you know, mm. a, a tent has to be chemically cleaned before I'll, I'll get in it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And again, that's a mindset. Yeah. You know, it's fine to get in a taxi. It's fine to sleep on a bed that's been slept on a million times by other people. Um, but it's not fine to get into a tent that's probably been used by a family a few times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, 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 there's a real, I don't know, we've, we've kind of slept walked into this weird mm. world where these rules exist um, and nobody really knows why. That we're not even aware <laughs> of and therefore we can't yeah. challenge because we just sort of, yeah. yeah Never think about it. Yeah. 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 Like, so, um, is it, is it just you still at Tent Share, Rebecca, or have you got a little, team of helpers or it's just me oh <laughs> and so is your can't whole believe it can you <laughs> trawling Sorry. around festivals rescuing tents and that sort of thing yeah so I when I worked with Camp Light I worked actually I worked at six festivals this year um five of them were as a Camp Light employee um we work as a crew we it's a cooperative so we all get paid the same mm-hmm. um and it's it's fairly um cooperative um but a medicine festival this year i must say uh my dream came true for tension i had a big vision for tension and festivals um which i was thinking about throughout covid and it was to be able to allow local residents 
to the festival to rent their tents to oh, festival goers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so the festival the fe- so a lot of times local residents don't get much out of the festival yeah. being there. Um it's like a extra traffic noise yes. and all of the things um and the money stays quite insular in a festival yes. and but this opportunity um is that if you own a tent you can rent it to a festival goer it gets dropped off at the tent share site gets picked up and pitched by the festival goer and then they mm. bring it back and then it gets handed back and so there's the, and so it happened at medicine festival this year and, and how many people did you get sort of taking that up so we had uh Oh, I just did the I just did the st- stats. I can't remember now. My memory's awful. <laughs> I don't worry about this as well. Oh, here we are. <laughs> um, so we had twenty five items that were rented Amazing. out. Yeah, um, and about ten people did it. And because this is a real like first little yeah, girl yeah, yeah. first attempt, but Sherry um had a stock of bell tents that she had bought for her wedding and they weren't being used and so she rented out seven of her bell tents and managed to make over a, uh just under a thousand pounds yeah and the festival goers got to use a bell tent for 160 pounds for yeah. the whole of the festival's um time yeah. and so everyone's a winner there yeah so they got the use of a beautiful bell tent sherry gets to um make a little bit of extra money over yeah. a week- one weekend and also um uh we, we're getting those tents out me and being used it's use we're increasing use intensity yeah. so we're also looking after the planet and so for me i was just like i was over the moon i was yeah. overjoyed with with the fact that it worked and and there were no complaints and and, mm-hmm. and, and i think the whole system I guess worked as, well. a, as somebody with a tent it's one thing giving it to a family who are going to go and have some lovely wholesome family holiday mm. it's another thing renting it to someone who's going to go and get absolutely mashed at a festival and and yeah. as you say come <laughs> back and fall over and be sick in it yeah. like oh I don't know if I really want that to happen yeah, let's but... not do that <laughs> <laughs> well but that's the thing is um I trialed it at medicine festival I've been going there for three years and working there for three years um and I trialed it at medicine festival because I know that their values align right so they already look after their stuff yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. get much temp waste there so they're they were good like they were a good testing ground mm. and I knew that they were going to look after it and and bring things back um and and get their deposit back you know but it yeah. was it was a good trial and um yeah I'm hoping to I've just been in talks with some people so I'm hoping to roll it out and it's so mad bigger. that I, I say just you and that's not meant in a disparaging way like it, <laughs> it's one person who's had this idea who's started this thing up and now as you say you're having conversations with like big festivals corporate organizations and that did you speak at blue earth summit this yeah, yeah. So, um, i was on a panel blue earth summit was a was it a three-day event in bristol yeah. um a few weeks ago and it was basically just anyone and everyone in sustainability wasn't it, it was amazing it was amazing <laughs> were you there um but um yeah you so you were you're being taken seriously is what I mean. Like, and this, mm. this idea and this concept yeah. and um, you as an organization is being taken seriously by the, the sort of uh, sustainability um, crowd, but, but also by big corporates and organizations as well. And that must feel amazing. It does feel amazing, but also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> 
I used to be a primary school teacher. Did you? I was going to ask you what your background was. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have any corporate. And, um, you know, we don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. I, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the best that I can. And I have a team of people in the background who are my advisors, um, who I talk to. Uh, I've got a business coach, Janine Barron. Who's, yes, I know Janine. She lives not far oh, from me. Yeah, she's amazing, um, and she helps me and supports me. And I have a little. And Jarvis, I'm in his spirited business group. So that's um, Jarvis Smith at um, oh, my green that? pod. That's it, my green pod. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a group, spirited business group. And you're and part of Reaction Collective as well, aren't you? I'm part of Reaction Collective. Oh yeah, I haven't even mentioned them. They're amazing. <laughs> and they were on the podcast um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, you know, I've reached my peak because I've come on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you were talking about ten share. You, you see reaction collective and say, "Oh, I want to get ten share on on the podcast." I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's all yeah. It's it's been a lot of hard work, and I'm I'm going to have to at some point take bite the bullet and and get some employees because it's it's getting bigger. Um, but yeah, is for this now, now your your full time gig. You don't teach anymore. Your I don't teach anymore. I have I work for Camp Light, and that is that is another business that I help run. With mm. there's three of us on the as directors of the cooperative as as we transform it from uh, it was a limited company to a right cooperative. Oh no, it was a solo anyway to to a cooperative. Um, and I have a family business. <laughs> oh wow! Um, yeah, which kind of um, uh, it's uh, it allows me to pay the mortgage yeah basically and it gives me this freedom to be able to really um invest in in um tent share um i've been i've been running the family business so long now i can i can do it Mm. um and i guess that's a little bit of the frustration isn't it all of these different business models take probably a little because there's something that are new to people and things they, they probably take a little bit more time to get up and running and off the ground and because of the different values that are attached to them Mm. it isn't just this like let's make as much money as we can as quickly as we can but obviously we all still need to be able to pay ourselves and pay our mortgages and all those sorts of things so there's often I think a difficulty maybe and, and and I think it's important that we recognize it that a lot of these amazing projects that are absolutely brilliant and so needed people aren't able to pay themselves through them yeah yeah I take nothing from it yet yeah and and I think that that's really important that we recognize that and acknowledge that and it's frustrating that it seems so much harder Mm. to run a business regeneratively as you've said a few times and and in a way that's sort of focused on people and planet rather than purely on profit that it it frustrates the hell out of me that that is a Mm. more difficult thing to do at the moment than mm. you're just like buy a load of cheap crap from China and sell it yeah you would have made a lot more money more quickly if you just bought cheap tents and sold them at a festival hey guess what <laughs> quite a lot of people have told me that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh I've got a good idea why don't you just buy a load of tents and yeah. rent them out you'll make a yeah. load of money oh, I'm like, missed the no, point. it's not quite really the yeah. Purpose, but, yeah. but that's the thing as well and I think we forget as purpose-led businesses we are like you mentioned you know the tri- we're looking at the triple bottom line we're looking at planet people um and profit and a su- the only way we can measure success as a business is through profit mm. right? so to be a, a successful business leader you have to spend 100% of your time look 
um, getting profit. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you're good at what you do. So you have to get profit, come what may. And so to pay people, if you find a, a way of cutting costs and high, getting a higher profit by cutting your staffing costs, well, that's an acceptable practice, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then you, the the nth degree of that is that you're paying people nothing or or yeah, yeah. slavery and stuff, right? So now, when we've got business leaders who are looking at a planet, people, and profit, our attention is divided between three different mm. things. But of course, it's going to be a slower grow. Yeah, I feel like it's it's got legacy mm. attached to it. And this is this is people are very short term and and short sighted in the fact that what's the what's the legacy of buying cheap stuff from China because the planet is running out of resources. We know that for a fact now. We Mm. didn't know that 100 years ago. Mm. So it was okay to sort of work. It was okay ish to work towards that because we didn't understand Mm. that the planet had finite resources. Now we know that we need to switch up our business model to reflect that new knowledge and that's what's not not as you know that's yeah. not happening and it's not happening fast enough and, and you thought and, right at the very beginning about your values mm. and how actually it was really important that your personal values come into the business and I think we need so much more of that don't we we need so much more um of people and and I know it's not always easy but trying to close that values action gap both mm. in our personal lives and in our you know anything we're doing sort of work-wise as well and, yeah, exactly um but I guess also, you know, you are in that privileged position that you have another business there to be able to yeah, support so you. So you can yeah. un- absolutely understand why people will, if they're starting up a business, go for the easiest, yeah, of course, most yeah. traditional route, you know, all yeah. that sort of thing. It, it's it's quite disruptive, isn't it? And and harder to, to go down this route. Yeah, it is. And and I'm, I'm very privileged. And having, because my family business is the construction industry and having seen how, um, I call it the old paradigm of business works. I knew that I did if mm. if I was going to create any sort of business it definitely was not going to be following down that path. And so I'm so lucky that you know I'm kind of using the old paradigm method yeah yeah to to fuel the new paradigm, you know. Mm. And and there's something to be said for that, you know. Okay, use use the old paradigm money and and funnel it into something new new, you know it's that's okay a lot of people kind of use um you know do work for corporates if they're working alone you know solo entrepreneurs or coaches or whatever work for big corporates so that they can then go on and do a um an affordable coaching session for people who are sustainably minded you know You know, yeah. there's lots of different ways to. We just need to funnel, funnel the money and the attention. Yes, it's it spread moment, more evenly. It's it? <laughs> got to spread more evenly. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know. Um, oh, Rebecca, we could chat for ages. I'm sure. I, I, at yeah. the start, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about tents for an hour, but we obviously very easily can. Um, I can do a week on tents. Yes, get, and, and get it's about Kieran on, isn't it? It's about the circular economy. It's about repair. Yeah. It's about yeah, different yeah. business models. All those kinds of things as well. What's you know, thinking we're nearly at the end of 2023, 2024 is coming up. What's, what's your dream? What's your goals in terms of number of people on the platform or tents rescued or whatever for, for yeah. 2024? Have you got yeah. that sort of nitty gritty yet? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, t- totally for Tensha to scale and to scale to the point where it can start 
financially supporting itself. It's just on the cusp, I think, um, this year. Um, this year was all about trial. Um, next year is all about like starting to pull in some some um, financial reward mm. so that we can keep it going. Um, also with Camp Light, we, um, we worked at 13 festivals and we worked out the carbon efficiency saving. Did I say that already? So we you worked out the carbon intensity yeah so we used that model um i've got this great calculator which aim and galvin um sorted out for me and it so we um worked at 13 festivals this year big and small and we made a carbon efficiency saving of 82 tons of carbon which is the carbon equivalent of 214 return flights to madrid wow um so we want to smash that next mm. year with camp light and tent share is also part of that um you can apply the same principles when people are reusing tents yeah. whether they're through camp light or, or tent share so um yeah we're hoping to improve upon that next year and it's so nice when you to to be able to put numbers to this stuff isn't it i yeah. find sometimes it's a little bit difficult doing doing what i do in the well, has that made a difference? I don't know. And I can't, mm. I've, I've got no way. And actually, um, with certainly with the clubhouse, um, like Joe at Geeky very kindly gifted us a, a pro account. So it means we can start to put some kind of numbers to this. And like, mm. you can see that it is making a difference and there is some, you know, carbon and water and whatever savings coming out of it, as well as all that lovely um, qualitative, you know, comments and feedback and all that sort of thing. But to be able to yeah. put numbers to it does, does start to make a difference, yeah. doesn't it? And I think it's key as well because... Because carbon is gonna carbon already has value, mm. but it's gonna it's gonna increase in value, like being being able to reduce carbon emissions for big corps, for mm. instance, it's gonna have value for yeah, them. Definitely. And so if we can quantify it, it's clunky, you know, and it, it, it's still it's always a best, say, estimate, isn't it? It's, it's, always it's a best, imperfectly, yeah. yeah, it's imperfectly perfect, you know, and it, it's it's how it is at the moment. Um, because we're we're all trialing new things you know yeah. it's an, it's a new world we're stepping into I, I think it's really exciting and I think that people will become more abundant and more joyful as as we come out of this delusion that we've been in that we need to own lots of things which makes us happy you know um, that feels like just the most perfect sentence <laughs> to finish on um where can people come and find you Rebecca um tentshare.co.uk uh is the website you can find me on instagram and facebook tent underscore share Brilliant. at tent underscore share and uh, yeah my email address if you want to reach out and tell me about your camping trip i'm always looking for photographs <laughs> to share on social media and yes. yeah i love seeing people camp so yeah reach out on my email which is hello at tentshare.co.uk fabulous and i'll pop all those links and there was some um, amazing organizations that you talked about during the um while we were chatting as well so I'll, I'll try and capture all of those links and pop them in the show notes for for people as well but a, a huge thank you Rebecca not just for your time but for, for what you're doing it is so much more than people sharing tents it is about stepping into this brave new world of a different way of doing business and for having the courage and the resilience to to do it um yes we need more people like you so a huge thank you to you <laughs> oh thank you and thank you for having me on it's like a little dream come true today to oh come on your podcast, it's been an so absolute it's been an absolute pleasure what do you think will you be putting up your tent on tent share 
Will you have a look to see if there are any tents you could borrow near you? Do let me know. As I said in the intro, I would just be so excited to hear of any tents that make it onto the platform as a direct result of this episode. Right then, here is this week's good news. First up from the Positive News website, solar energy is forecast to be the world's largest single source of electricity by 2027. In the article, they share five of the most exciting recent developments in the sector, including France making it mandatory for new and existing car parks with spaces for at least 80 vehicles to be covered by solar panels, a boom in solar installation in the UK, Apparently, new installations in 2021 increased by 70% on the previous year, and the first half of 2022 alone surpassed the whole of 2021. And lawmakers in Berlin have made rooftop solar panels compulsory for new build properties and existing buildings undergoing rooftop renovations. Closer to home in the UK, The Guardian reports that national and regional museums across the UK have agreed to take collective action on the climate crisis, including managing collections more sustainably and using their position to engage audiences with the issues. This was decided at the first UK Museum COP that happened at Tate Modern in London. And even closer to home, I had a couple of emails that really made me smile this week, both from participants on recent carbon literacy courses. So Sully got in touch to say that, and in his own words, being carbon literate has helped me secure my dream job working with a climate organisation. As you can imagine, that brought the biggest smile to my face. And Inga emailed to let me know that she had fulfilled her pledge of signing up with a climate education programme that provides training to schools in London. And they have already matched her with a nearby school where she'll be delivering a programme of five workshops in the spring term. That's it from me for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I would love as ever to hear your thoughts and your feedback, especially about the tents. (laughs) Do drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk and don't forget my ongoing campaign to double listener numbers. Remember that one? You can help out by listening twice. Only joking. You can actually help out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts, sharing on social media and telling your friends and your family. Thank you so much for listening. You really are a superstar. Have a great week. I will catch you next time. Take care.